0: You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and
1: fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car obsessed.
0: I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello again, everybody. It is Tuesday. We are back for another full week of madness. And Paul and I have done that thing again. I arrived at his house like two hours ago. It happens. And we looked up and went, we really ought to podcast and record some of what we're talking about because there has been news. You may have noticed yesterday, Monday was Corvette Z06 day. 5.5
1: 5 liter LT6 engine, the highest horsepower, naturally aspirated V8 in any production car. According to Chevrolet, 8,600 RPM redline, 670 horsepower, and 460 pound-feet of torque at 6,300 RPM.
0: Some interesting realities there. it's a lot. It's a lot, it, and and lots of crazy stats there. Flat plane crank. Interesting things when you look at it versus the base C eight. Mm-hmm. Now the base C eight, by the way, has four hundred and what seventy four hundred no four hundred ninety five horsepower and four hundred and seventy pound feet. So it's Correct. got a little bit more torque because it's a traditional uh, pushrod V eight instead of this, which is a flat plane crank. Yes, the the o six is putting down zero to sixty numbers in like the two and a half second range, but the standard C eight just breaks three. It's not like this. this I, I, You're right. I don't right. want to. I don't want under, to undermine the fact that the Z06 is jaw dropping because it is right. But I, I but, feel like the base the C eight
1: is not a radio flyer yes, red wagon.
0: It's not like well, it's good that you got the big one because the base one's such <laughs> a terrible <laughs> car.
1: Thank <laughs> you got the
0: big one. Yeah.
1: Wow, I, I'm astounded by this car. Everybody is, but also the other issue is price. Mm-hmm. We've been eagerly anticipating yes. the final cost, and every outlet that has driven it at the press launch so far has come up with a different price because they've been specced differently. You can yeah, get different yeah, yeah. packages and carbon wheels and carbon bits and that kind of thing. But at this point, the most we've heard so far is, what, 160000 somewhere s- in there? I
0: saw car and driver's spec. They had the loaded version Z06, so like the 3LT, whatever it was. They had the loaded version Z06, and then they had all the carbon add-ons. And so the loaded version without the carbon add-ons was like 120 something, and by the time they got to as tested price, it was 166 grand. and that is pre-markup. right. That's MSRP that doesn't that's not from a dealer, that's just on the sheet. That's on the sheet. and right now we're horrified to say this. I am just I'm very concerned about the markups on this car. I think they're going to be exorbitant. I'm worried about it too. Yeah. Take
1: this as realism rather than cynicism. I think it's a two hundred thousand
0: dollar car. I, I think for people to actually drive off in it it probably is a two hundred thousand dollar car, which is too bad. I mean the the base C eight, again, starts at just under just over sixty grand. Now that's for the base one. The mm-hmm. way you want it is probably eighty ish. Okay. So I really thought that the base of the z six was gonna be ninety. Sure. The base is a hundred and ten. Like congratulations! Well, you, you off just to
1: think that because base for the C8 is 65 exactly. Or that's what I'm saying, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And and the way you want it is is 85 or so. Yeah. So I thought, all right, the the Z06 will start at 90. No, it doesn't. It starts at 110 and goes up precipitously. I mean, the carbon fiber wheels are 11 grand. I mean, sweet carbon
1: fiber wheels. Cool. But if
0: you ding one of those, oh yeah, bummer. Yeah, yeah. But everybody that has driven it, and unfortunately we have not driven it yet. Everybody that's driven it is raving about it. And uh, there's a lot of things to rave about. We can't wait to get in. We're very, very excited about it. But it was interesting because it started, this is what happened before the podcast. It started a discussion between us where Mm -hmm. we just started comparing and contrasting with the base C8. And we were reminded again, and so we're reminding you, that the base C8, pretty good. Pretty good. Cayman GT4 RS is $141,000. I mean, that's a lot of money, but I'm just saying. Well, but, but you're right. At that point, would you do Z06 or Cayman uh, GT4 RS? Porsche Super Freak Hi. I know. I, I have heard, I've heard the story. Super yeah, duper freak I've watched freak that a couple here. times. Yeah, we'll see. Of course, that'll have markup too. I hate the fact that these markups exist. I wish there was a way for the manufacturers to completely stop that. It's the world we're in right now. The problem that this car brings up that is compounding all of this is Chevy's already said electric vet is coming.
1: It'll be a thousand so horsepower. It will be so, and Easy. and it, it'll and probably, be the Zora,
0: and it'll have ruined front in steering because they're going to have all that weight in the nose. Probably, I, I fully believe that the steering will be worse. But man, it'll be a Chiron beater. But so man, it's going to be so fast. Malbetta. All that matters is how fast I can That's go in right. a straight line. But but the <laughs> records won't matter when you crash into the bridge abutment. <laughs> but the, but this is creating that last of the breed feel of this Z06. Yeah. It's the, to you, you already said it. It's the most powerful V8 ever. Most asbestos, mo' mobetta mo' better. It's the last. It's the Z06, the first one with the flat plane crank. These are going to be cars that people are going to be willing. I can't believe I'm going to say this. <clears throat> they're going to be willing to pay the markup because they believe they're just buying an investment and they're going to sit it in mothballs. <sighs> it's going to be wrapped in plastic and they're going to hope that this is their retirement in 20 or 30 years. And that makes me sad because this car should be bought and driven until it cannot be driven anymore. I agree. We hope to drive one soon. We
1: hope to thrash the broccoli out of it and drive it properly. It's full of broccoli and there will be none when we're done. Whatever's in it, we're going to thrash it right out. Moving on to the new Maserati Gran Turismo, which has also been released. I'm intrigued with this car, okay, for a variety of reasons, mainly because I'm a Maserati super fan. <laughs> you now. are now, yes, <laughs> to I, you almost got through <laughs> it, but
0: but you are, yeah, I
1: am. There's three flavors: the Modena, which is 490 horsepower, using that Netuno twin-turbo V6 that's in the MC20.
0: Okay,
1: the Trofeo, which is upgraded to 550 horsepower. Okay. Also using that twin turbo V six. And the Fulgore EV, mm. which is based on eight hundred volt technology, full battery electric vehicle with seven hundred and sixty brake horsepower. But what I'm most intrigued by was the Maserati head of design, his latest Instagram posting, Klaus okay. Bus, who said I might have pronounced mispronounced his last name, I apologize. Onward. He said clean and timeless design is essential for Maserati as they are not designing just for a 3-year lease contract. Mm. That resonates like crazy with me. Mm.
0: That that is that is a guy who is throwing down at somebody that said to him at some point as a designer of another company, we just designed for the 3-year lease period. Which somebody said happening. that to him. I feel like that's and BMW he is calling it out.
1: I feel like that's what BMW maybe, does right now. Maybe. He said this car will go into personal collections and stay with the owner for a long time. Even though, Klaus, I do feel like the EV version of that means it will cycle out of collections sooner rather than later. Probably. But the two gas-powered versions I think will. It's not a giant departure from what they had. Mm, It's not... mm -hmm totally changed totally different it's still a kind of a large heavy gt car yeah yeah but wow the surfaces are clean mm, the graphics mm. are have been very cleaned up i think it is timeless now mm. i like this car i didn't the wheel arches on the prototypes that i saw were were off the okay. front was a smaller diameter than the rear it, it would okay. just the proportions weren't there but now this the final version has been released Whew, this is a Good looking. It's just a classy automobile.
0: It is cool looking,
1: yeah. And with good power, and you're not tracking this thing. You you know, bombing to Palm Springs, or
0: yeah, you know what I mean. You're You're just,
1: oh, wherever in Europe. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean. I I really appreciate this because he said this new model is a result of an innovative project that makes extensive use of lightweight materials like aluminum and magnesium with high performance steel, and that required new manufacturing processes to be created resulting in -in best-in-class weight levels. But they also put a lot of tech into this. Mm, I feel mm. like now Maserati has come around so it's not the laughing stock. It's not the Italian you go or you know the the preconceived <laughs> <Whoa>. notions <laughs> you
0: know whoa. what i mean okay. you know what i mean i do you know what i mean whoa. you know the, anyway, like yeah. oh you got one of
1: those mm-hmm. what are you leasing it it's now an aspirational <laughs> car to stay with you
0: the italian <laughs> yugo i'm telling you that is in the titles that,
1: shoot well I I use it as an example. <laughs> At least you're a no fan of the brand.
0: You you are a person that has earned your stripes as a fan of the brand. So you you've got some some lead to run with, man.
1: If you haven't seen the video from the 2022 Pebble Beach weekend, mm-hmm. Klaus took comedian Sebastian Maniscalco for a ride okay. around Monterey. They were in the battery electric version. And Sebastian, uh, you know, he's a comedian, he's a car guy, he's but riot, he's but very yeah. Italian. Oh, yes. He had a lot of funny things to say, but it was just very interesting to hear, you know, not a car disease enthusiast. He likes sure. cars, I, I think, but sure, he's not, yeah, yeah. you know, totally off the rails like we are. Yeah. <laughs> and As so are, yes. Klaus took him for a ride and they discussed, and it was very intriguing. I think it's actually really good. I think it is an aspirational, like you know what, mm. for what it, what they're offering. But of course, I'm a huge fan of the MC20. What they've mm-hmm. done, I feel like they're in a bit of a renaissance. They're kind of coming Cute. around. They're, they've <laughs> turned a corner. They're not the ooh, you bought one of those, wasted money, did you? Hmm. <laughs> it might not be. It might oh, be wow. the thing. Okay, we'll we'll see. Okay, but I like what Klaus said. I like what they're doing with design. I'm a fan.
0: Okay, I'll give it to you. Not all the SUVs, of course. You've earned it. You've earned it. I will give it to you. Mm -hmm. But they're bringing the noise. When you want to wash your car but you're short on time, Griot's has two new ideas for fast and easy washing in your garage or driveway without even having to rinse. Try the Rinseless Wash and Wax Kit or the Waterless PFM Spray-On Car Wash Kit from Griot's Garage.
1: They're both ideal if the weather has gotten colder outside or you're an apartment dweller or if you live in an area where hose and bucket washing is restricted or inconvenient.
0: You can get a perfect wash indoors or out in a quarter of the time it takes to wash a car normally. These kits are a no-hassle way to keep your car looking really sharp. Remember, Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all their liquid products are made right here in the USA.
1: When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. We just received an email from Eddie M. who asks mm-hmm. if innovation is killing car enthusiasm. Mm. What a timely email, Eddie. Thanks for writing. Eddie says that he's not saying innovation is not necessary or not needed. We went from horses to internal combustion engines to power steering, and now we're nearing a point of self assisted driving for those that hate driving.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure
1: if autonomous driving is for people that hate driving i don't know if it's quite positioned like that i
0: I think it's i mean maybe but it's more like don't be bothered by the drive i I think that's a real undercurrent of it for sure
1: you know the drivers that love driving will always drive but then maybe it's just people with limited mobility or you know what you know i mean well that's
0: that's the accessibility part of it but let's be honest there is there is a contingent of people most of them live in Los Angeles. you on the four hundred five. I mean, let's be honest—that they'd really rather I'm not drinking. be bothered. They'd really rather not be bothered. And so there is that. These are these are the folks that are super excited about autonomous driving. Is the people that don't want to drive? Okay, fair, you fair. Know? And it does ease a lot of things, even
1: though it is not upon us and it won't be for many years to come. I feel like Eddie is speaking of today. Mm-hmm. Says it seems like innovation is moving so fast and so quickly in technology. It's making prices out of reach. Mm. For the everyday driver enthusiast, mm. he writes the average median new car price in the U.S. is nearly forty eight thousand dollars car that most call the best driving car. He says the nine eleven is somewhere starting about one hundred and fifty thousand. Well, I, I, I take your point. There a, are things to say already. Okay, base, yes, Nine elevens are <laughs> slightly cheaper than that. Mm-hmm. And he says the national family median salary average is only seventy nine thousand seventy eight thousand for the average of four people per family. And so for Eddie, the numbers are not adding up in his head. He understands there are used cars, but if the public cannot afford to go get the new enthusiast cars, how can we make our car voice heard? What are our thoughts on this? I Agreed. wrote a few down, so but I'm, value, yeah. I'm curious, you know, where where you're at with the general feeling of innovation
0: as well, opposed to car enthusiasm. The problem is, and, I, and I've talked about this before, the problem that we're having is related to electric cars, and that is we are more and more concerned about What's the tech that's in here? How is this like my phone? I hate to say it, but across the board, look at the, the renders of the interior of the new Mustang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just screen-a-palooza in there. Okay? But you can get
1: the 80s Fox but body you can use the the 80- Oh,
0: yeah, you know it. Exactly right. And you
1: can rev the engine with your fob.
0: Yes, these are both things. The world needed these. Are the my letter writing campaign to Ford worked? The two things I've asked (laughs) for for decades, man. No, I did not. (laughs) So the thing is, as we're tying cars more and more to technology that has nothing to do with driving, okay? For sure, then that makes them age faster. But it also makes them more expensive. It's a double-edged sword. We are I turning agree. them into more expensive versions of our phones, which every year we talk about. Should I should I, should I I upgrade my phone this year? Guess what? Your phone from last year works fine. And I'm saying this to me. <laughs> and you're still paying it off. My phone from last year works just fine. <laughs> I agree. I keep justifying new phone purchases because well, the camera's better and I use it for the show sometime. I don't need that. I don't need it. Yeah. So this yeah. is being tied to cars now. Hmm. I have a side 911 rant. I'm not sure if it goes here, but maybe it does. But I will say, look, Eddie, I'm going to say the first thing Eddie i want to say. Eddie and I are on you, board. Let's put it that I, way. I know you are. And there is a, there is a thing <laughs> going on at Porsche and 911s with journalists <laughs> that there is a whole side rant. And I may come back or it may be something I get reminded of later. But the big thing I want to say to you, Eddie, is you're looking at the expensive enthusiast cars because they are expensive. They're getting more expensive. That yes. M240 BMW we had recently was almost 60 grand, and that wasn't the M2. <laughs> dang it it wasn't the M2 I know. it was almost $60,000 uh, for God. that car and that is if you want to think about it the cheapest BMW that's terrifying isn't it well I mean that, uh, you can get the the, the, the other two, the two, series 2 Series Grand, grand Coupe, Coupe. I, I refuse to acknowledge that's a BMW but yes <laughs> it was but, too much money But it didn't have the handling package but when we had that one that one was mid 40s that was 48 yeah you're right it was almost 50 and it right. didn't have the handling package for 2 grand $50,000 for that yes a worse mini was what that was. It was a exactly. mini done badly just buy the mini for less. But, but the point I want to make here, Eddie is what an enthusiast is supposed to do. How you make your voice heard is you buy the inexpensive, excellent cars. Yeah. I will give you a couple of, now look, I realize that there are no cars you can really buy anymore for less than 30 grand. And that's a bummer, but that's just current economics. So there's nothing I can do about that. Mm-hmm. But the, if you if people that come to us with a car debate and $60,000 have tons of choice, but people that come to us with $30,000, we kind of go
1: "Hmm, talking new cars, for new now. cars, right?
0: We kind of go, Hmm. But keep in mind that you can get yourself a Miata, not the loaded one, but a Miata for right around $30,000 out the door. A good That's one. It's true. We bought our 86 tax title license. There's nothing else they can charge us for. And we loaded that car out thirty four thousand dollars out the door. The Honda Civic Si. Thank you. Yes. Excellent car. Yes, and not an expensive car. I saw another. I saw a Sport today. It wasn't even the Si. I saw a Sport, and I was like, "It's just a great looking car." And they drive well at the lower levels. Mm-hmm. So, what what we as enthusiasts with real budgets and real concerns Money have to is do an object. is we have to encourage manufacturers by buying the and you cannot see the air quotes the affordable cars. And I am saying the under 40 or 45,000 dollar cars. The cars under that average you're listing of 48. We have to buy the cars that are less expensive than that that are excellent to show manufacturers this is worth my time and dollars because if you can't afford the big stuff, instead of standing around and going, "Well, I'll just buy something used," we can still encourage really good cars that are less expensive. The Corolla now, you could argue the GR Corolla is too expensive in some specs. The base one, the core, with the limited slip differentials is going to be $40,000. That is mm-hmm. a do-everything hot hatch, and it's a usable hatch. Yeah. The Marizo is ridiculous. But $40,000 for that car, that feels like, for me, like a person thinking about budget. That feels like, shouldn't that car be thirty? But not with that much tech in it, it shouldn't. And for the power and for what Mm -hmm. you're getting,
1: it's like, okay. So
0: we have to buy the affordable end of enthusiast cars new because I I will also say this is the big thing I want to say. And this, this touches the 911 thing, but I won't go into full rant mode right now. The expensive enthusiast cars, no one, no manufacturer needs to be encouraged to make expensive enthusiast cars. They're just doing it because there's a profit margin and there's a lot of press and everybody gets excited and we see them at cars and coffee and at the Z06 launch was yesterday. Yes. Okay. Yes. The expensive enthusiast cars they're going to keep making the things I'm worried about are the cheap ones, the ones at the bottom of affordability. And the only way they keep making those is because all of us said, excuse me, my hands in the air. I haven't gotten mine yet.
1: That's fantastic. Eddie, when I worked for the desk, Autodesk, Innovation was always the buzzword bandied about Mm -hmm. in sales presentations. So I was a subject matter expert in the automotive industry talking about design and visualization, class A surfacing to pretty much all of the car studios, visiting them around the world. And so Autodesk wanted to provide the software tools to enable companies to innovate. Mm -hmm. A couple of examples were, they gave, were jet engines. What if companies decided... They would charge power by the hour. So you're Ooh. you're renting the jet engine that's screwed to your jet airplane. So <laughs>
0: everything's Everything's subscription service. Pretty much. <laughs> Delta's you're, paying Boeing exactly every month. right. You're subscribing wow, that's to
1: power. And the airplanes record how long those engines are turning. The more those airplanes are in the air, the more you can afford to pay for the power by the hour. Another example just happened this I'm weekend. I'm horrified
0: right now at this thought. <laughs>
1: Okay, I got another somebody one. at Somebody
0: at Boeing is currently taking notes. We could charge for engine hours. Subscribe to Jet Engine Power. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But would you like Dreamliner <laughs> engines on yours? Up your subscription just this many Bulls thousand Price per Pratt, month, and Whitney, we'll put oh my
1: gosh. General Electric. Okay, so what about Elon's recent Optimus humanoid robot that walked untethered but didn't impress most roboticists, most of whom were not at the presentation? As a matter of fact, a quote from Cynthia Young, head of product at robot logistics firm Plus One Robotics, asked in a tweet if Elon is launching features for the sake of features or to actually solve problems. That's a nice way of saying, "Uh uh-huh, nobody was impressed. They have a long Mm. way to go.
0: Mm. (laughs) <laughs> I can't, but I, I am actually, you, you saw the optimist. You to, saw rumblings. Of it. I'm going to chew on my lip and not go down that road. What Elon referred
1: to was in the future, this will be around and you can have robotic assistance for whatever you're doing charged by the hour. Mm-hmm. Now that's innovation. It doesn't exist yet, but thought leaders mm-hmm. around the world mm-hmm. in any industry from cars to healthcare, to products, whatever it is, are pushing but then there, there has to be, the, there will be, the, the meeting of reality. And what that ultimately looks mm-hmm. like is when then consumers finally start to accept that. We're observing with glee or distrust or distaste or cynicism, but innovation is, frankly, interesting, and the world yeah, needs yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Now, how about AI photo generation? That is innovation right there. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of my car designer friends mm. use the photo generation mm-hmm. to generate car ideas based on what they feed it, but they don't result in fully finished renderings. It's sort of like, oh, okay, I, now that's a different twist. Maybe mm-hmm. I could, mm. you know, put my human spin on that, take it further. They're using that as just a idea generator.: Sure. Yeah. And I actually, for Utah, I thought, going past the generated AI script. Mm -hmm. What if full-length feature films are now generated entirely by AI for the next wave of filmmaking? So you upload your AI-generated script, and then the AI-generated movie is finished and produced and entered in an AI film festival.
0: (laughs) Well, I hate to say it, but I I see occasional little advertisements. As a guy that's written a novel, I I get ads served to me, right? And I have seen a few little ads come by. Where people that write a lot are like, well, I've stopped writing on my blog and it's all AI written right now. Oh, see, you know, and and the joke, the joke <laughs> has been in Hollywood forever, because screenwriters are looked down on so far, that the joke has been forever that if you put enough monkeys, actual monkeys, in front of enough typewriters in enough rooms, you'll eventually generate a script that will, that will work. <laughs> so this is, I am genuinely concerned of what you're saying, that there may too. be a, bunch of executives sit around a room some executives taking notes right now i'm horrified to say this bunch of executives in hollywood sitting around a room watch the slug commercial again and they figure (laughs) out what they need a movie for and they feed the major beats into an ai script generator and the ai script generator spits out a perfectly acceptable and yet not good screenplay And they go film that because they know they can get the stars and the marketing and the Happy Meal and the stuff around it so it will make money. And the fact that the script is marginal, sorry, newsflash, many of the movies that get made, the script is marginal. So if an AI can build it, we just saved a line item in cost self-driving
1: cars will pull up to non-existent award shows and let the non-existent <laughs> stars of the AI movie get out and accept a non-existent award. <laughs> we'll have the, AI Rotten
0: Tomatoes review the, with the, the algorithm. The self-driving car just delivered Watson the computer on wheels <laughs> to the AI carpet <laughs> for you. the AI screenwriting awards. And I it doesn't exist horrified. because we're,
1: we're watching it on a, you know, it's all generated. That's really on our screens. horribly funny. I'm fascinated that AI, the photo generation thing, is the mid-journey thing, all of the same. I've touched on this before. They're they're being used for idea generation Mm -hmm. for humans. And it could be very depressing for humans to let the bots take over and design everything, except those bots wouldn't have anything to go on if it hadn't been for human creativity for centuries. I'm talking about classical music and high Renaissance art.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sculpture. Yeah, it's all references. Italians reference. kind of know how to carve something out of porphyry. This is, we, we are reaching, we're reaching peak postmodernism, which is looking backwards to build something new. That's yes. what AI is essentially doing. Therefore,
1: Eddie, innovation is important, as you alluded to. It's what governments go to war over and fight over, it's what people are tempted to risk imprisonment to steal. We must have all of our latest connectivity and features so much that BMW has figured out maybe we should charge for seat heating. <laughs> Don't do that, BMW. <laughs> do not.
0: Subscription seat. Ugh.
1: Ugh. Uh, anyway. A combination of mechanical and electronic innovation is important. A good example of that is launch control on cars. Mm, mm. Mechanical and electronic merge together to create sure. something that nobody needs. Sure. Nobody needs launch control. You're right you don't use it on a daily basis. The fact that it exists and marketers sell cars based on upon the fact that it has launch control, who
0: cares? Mm -hmm. It's fun though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take that away. Still fun. Yeah.
1: I mean, modern gas powered cars and trucks have to cross an 11,000 foot mountain pass towing a boat and the ECU changed everything in the engine. It managed everything. You didn't have to do everything. Didn't overheat. Mm -hmm. Good thing. But electrics can already do that. So how do we help Eddie here? This cost of innovation is passed along to consumers, as you've alluded to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New electric, new hybrid technology is expensive because it's new. It's not yet proven. And it's time-consuming and complex to build, so it's reliable and cannot be offered with a guarantee or a warranty. But I don't think innovation inherently stifles desire like you think it does. Oh, I just think it makes it less accessible if you can't afford to buy it or simply lengthens the time Until you can afford to buy it.
0: I think that's what he's bemoaning. The fact that the average enthusiast can't buy the latest and greatest because it's just too expensive. And I think there's plenty of cars that we can chase. Continually older cars and trucks
1: doesn't matter what year it's built. That's why we'll still need good mechanics and people to service Mm -hmm. these cars to keep them on the road, keep them running because they are good to drive. Sure, sure. I'm not talking about Cadillac
0: Cimarrons from the '80s, but you know what I mean. Unless you really want to go to Radwood and rule, and then you could rule. When we were at yes. Philadelphia, i didn't, i don't <laughs> even know the last time I've seen a Cimarron. By the way, I literally don't remember the last time I'd, I've seen one. And there it's was been a long guy time there. Since I
1: pronounced the word until now.
0: <laughs> Cinnamon? What was it? Anyway, there was a guy there with one that was showroom condition. Yeah. And I just thought, cool, followed by. Why? (laughs) Why do you have this car?
1: (laughs) I guess (laughs) so. Sorry. But here's my thought, Eddie, and that is I think at some point this car market that we're in, it's going to resemble something closer to normal again, meaning cars and trucks and objects like this, used objects, are going to continue to depreciate Mm. over new cars and trucks. Yes, we still have to buy, and people will. The point is people will continue to buy these luxury items. Luxury car makers made more money during the pandemic than you know, the the lower-end models or the sure, mid-range yeah, yeah. models. They sold so many cars, they're making boatloads mm-hmm, of cash. Mm-hmm. But I hope and I predict that those cars will start to depreciate more. A 10-year-old car sounds like, whoa, in this age of innovation, 10 mm-hmm, years is mm-hmm. an eternity. Yeah. In terms of drivability and how good the car is to drive, cars last a long time. I have a 40-year-old car. <laughs>
0: What am I you doing do. with a forty-year-old car? Spending money on it is what you're doing. Well, I guess, yes, my friend. Uh-huh.
1: but it still exists. True, true it still true. runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dumped a bunch of money into it, but still, I do agree with buying the cars that you can afford that are mm-hmm. enthusiast cars, and it's why the Si middle of the road designation from Honda exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't afford the R, the Type R, but you don't want the base. Yeah. Boy, do we have the sweet spot for you. And it's that, a really
0: good car. That
1: N-line designation. Maybe it's not the full N. Sure. N-line. Yeah, 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 Something like that. And that's that's why those still are money makers. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we do have to step up and buy those cars. We, the collective we. Yeah. But to your point, I do think they will. And I hope that the high-end stuff will continue to depreciate, even mm-hmm. though it's still going to be probably a little while. I, I hope. I, I'm optimist. I hold out hope that... The Mercedes AMGs will still continue to come down. Sure, and Porsches will hold their value. Toyotas will generally hold their value. But, but, as I mean, s-
0: but as I said already, there is no no manufacturer needs encouragement or help to make a limited edition, blindingly expensive sports car. That is the easiest thing on the planet it's to sell right now. I don't know where fruit. all of these people are coming out of the woodwork with that much cash to buy them. But all of the look at any limited edition, expensive car—they're all gone. But the thing we're struggling with—that's why I continue. I'm sorry. GR86 promotion, uh, the th- I'm yeah, still shocked yeah. that Toyota released that car because if, if it's me sitting in a boardroom seeing the kind of cars that sell, a inexpensive sports car doesn't even make the long list, so we have to buy the stuff that is enthusiast and somewhat affordable so that all of these manufacturers, because they won- they're wondering, they're all wondering if there's a market for the inexpensive fast stuff. They know there's a market for the expensive fast stuff. It's the well, yeah. inexpensive stuff. They're like, I don't know if people are going to show up. I mean, this is the problem with the GR Corolla. Toyota's commentary about we're going to keep it limited. And they're, why are they keeping it limited? Not because they're trying to be difficult. They literally don't want to make more of them than people want. Right. They don't want to glut. What about the Corolla XSE? Yes. The lukewarm hatch. Manual. Mm-hmm. Hatchy. Comes in a cool color. Yes. Better colors than the actual GR, if I'm honest. Yeah. (laughs)
1: You're not wrong. We'll have to wait a year for the GR Corolla colors. Mm -hmm. The Performance Pack Plus Mm -hmm. that
0: we've established will be coming. The good seats on the core. It's coming. It's coming.
1: I hear you, Eddie. There's no great solve at this point. Except we do have to continue to buy those middle of the road, the slightly hot, slightly better. And we're always looking for that goodness, even in Civic Tourings. Yes, surprising there's a surprising amount of fun to be had it was 27 or 29 thousand dollars not bad Mm -hmm. we have to continue to aspire to buy those cars that will resonate with the sales numbers that companies look at your car's dashboard is on the front line in the battle against the sun and it can really deteriorate over time due to uv damage a custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new as well as
0: complementing your interior these dash mats are available in a wide variety of fabric styles and colors. You can even customize with embroidery or logo. You could put an Everyday Driver logo on it if you wanted. You can make it completely unique to you and your car. Can we get an 86 with the Everyday Driver logo in the corner, maybe intertwine them? You've got to work on that, Paul. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, just
1: remember, use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page at EverydayDriver.com. Or navigate directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers, sunscreens, and dash mats to keep your car protected and
0: looking its best. Ryan writes in with a great car debate. He says, what comes next after a hot hatch? He is shopping right now because he's coming out of a Volkswagen Golf R. And I really I want to run through this real quick because he says it's a great car. It's modded very heavily, probably modded it out of class. His 2018, which is a last-gen Golf R, so it's the Mark 7, mm-hmm. has 400 horsepower and 440 pound-feet of torque. Whoa. That is a monster. That's a lot. I wonder if he's got some integrated engineering stuff on there. Those guys are local and they do great stuff. I wonder if some of that's on there. Yeah. this He did it for the exact same reason that every single time you and I review a, a GTI or a Golf R and we <laughs> talk about we wish this was more hair on fire fun. We get besieged Hailed on by the Volkswagen fans who tell us exactly the tune or the company we need to go with to make it the fun we're looking for. And I find it interesting because that's Ryan's current car. And he says further on here, we want to go back through his whole backlog, but he says further on here. He says that it's great, but it lacks any sort of personality, 400 horsepower, 400 pound feet of torque in his golf R. Lacks any sort of personality, which is why he thinks he wants to find something with more personality.
1: That's the next thing modding for personality. We're modding out of
0: class, we're uh-huh. modding for track use, modding so we can put personality into it. You made that comment about the dirty martini in electric cars. It's making yes. things worse to make them better, let's, which is the craziest reality. Dirty but that's it where up. we are, yeah. Well, Ryan
1: used to have a 2020 Kia Stinger GT all wheel drive. He owned it for a year, didn't like its heftiness, wanted something lighter. Mm. Prior to that, he had a 2015 GTI for six years. Traded that in. He had a dealer beater Mazda 3 hatch because it was so unreliable. He We're working thought, backwards through time here. It's a great list. A 98 Chevy Monte Carlo. And <laughs> <laughs> his first car. His first car was a Mercury Grand Marquis great first car it died via deer suicide i couldn't agree more <laughs> oh, god <gosh. laughs> that's
0: horrifying but yeah i'm guessing the car won yeah but but then needed to be retired that's horrifying we were somewhere just oh. this past week and uh, end of the day deer on the side of the road deer oh. running and you know we were just on track for a recent shoot i don't think you saw him i was going around the track in our 86 by the way side note Going around the track in our 86 with sticky tires, driving hard. Guess what? The engine did not blow. Just want <laughs> to news, have everyone. all of you to know that. Went <laughs> around the corner. Was going around that first corner after we entered, and a coyote ran across the track. Uh, the left turn after the straightaway, you're talking uh, about? The first right after you entered. That first right, he ran right across the track. And I was like, you're that kidding is me. a full-size coyote running across a racetrack at the end of the day. When Ryan owned the Stinger, he thought that car had a much
1: better personality, meaning it had some. And and more so than the Golf R that he's had For since, sure. which is really interesting. But he said it felt heavy when he hustled it, and his minister absolutely hated the sloped roof and the back seat headroom. Which is a real issue. Yes, but how much time does she spend back there? Is Probably it on not behalf much. of friends that you put back there? Well,
0: uh, my guess is at some point she wound up back there and was like, I don't really like this. I, I see suppose that. so. But the Stinger compared to the Golf R is a significantly larger car. Well, oh, of you've course. had And it, and it was in. Again, you had that 2015 GTI. You bought a Stinger. And then you got rid of the Stinger to get a 2018 Golf R. Yes, the Stinger is the battleship of those three cars you've owned it drives really well it's it, quite a right. carrier it does have have personality but it, there's no question in my mind that it felt bigger than that gti but i do think it's fascinating that your takeaway on that car was but at least it had personality and your massively tuned golf r still does not that is interesting
1: well ryan is shopping used cars with back seats he's got a 50 pound dog and infrequently four passengers Something with personality. He's looking at E90 M3s. Yes, to that. That works. Pontiac G8 GTs. He's never owned a true sporty V8 or rear-wheel drive. Mm. He's always liked having choices. So for that reason, Mustangs and Camaros are out because he lives near an army base in northwest Tennessee.
0: (laughs) So what he's saying is I've seen so many Corvettes and Mustangs (laughs) driven by the army guys. None of those. He's looking to spend around $25,000 used. He is pretty
1: mechanically inclined and he has a high ish pain tolerance for maintenance and the car probably won't remain stock. He works permanently from home and his wife has a 2019 Volkswagen Atlas. So they have Mm -hmm. cargo carrying capacity. They need to tow anything. They've got the road trip vehicle. And what I heard When you told me all that Ryan was that you could look back in time. You could look for an older car.
0: It does suggest that. Yeah.
1: And get something with personality. That's why these car auctions are cars skyrocketing price because all these old ones are so analog. They've got all this great personality, but I need it for a daily. I need to commute. I need to do road trips. You do not. True. I'm wondering if you don't look at anything new, you go backwards Hmm. in time, 10, 20, 25 years. You have a high pain tolerance you work from home. If the car needs something and you're ordering parts, please don't turn it into a project car and it sits on the lift and never gets driven for six months while you drive the Atlas. Keep <laughs> which, it driving, which is
0: probably also Volkswagen tuned. You wouldn't believe the <laughs> power that Atlas is probably right. Down. Guess what that Atlas drives like? Kind of like the Golf.
1: Kind of like the Golf. With yeah, a lot more horsepower. All right. Yes to all the BMWs that you can think of. For twenty five grand, go mm-hmm. find yourself a BMW that interests you. Mm -hmm. possibly older.
0: Yeah. Those
1: 135s are kind of interesting. You can find 135 for 25. We just
0: drove that E46 ZHP. I'm going to ring the bell for that again. Early 2000 ZHP. That's a really, it's not a V8, but it's a really nice sedan.
1: I mean, if you're willing to go a little bit higher miles, but you're willing to do some maintenance work that will Mm -hmm. keep it running Mm -hmm. well, Z3 clown shoes, Z3, uh, Roadster, Z4 Roadster. Sure, there's no
0: back seats in any of those, unfortunately. Well, no, but they've but, got yeah. the Atlas.
1: You, <laughs> That's true. N-
0: none of his You're requirements right. You're include right. back seats. Well, he says he wants back seats for the well, dog and okay, occasionally fine. passengers, but I take your point, and He's that is Atlas. he does have a car that does that, though. The dog fits in the boot of the Atlas because it's... yeah. I, I, I see g- your point. I see your point. You could He could get away
1: without having it do that. I do see that. I've got other choices for you, Ryan. Pontiac GTOs, in addition, addition to your G8 comment... Sure. Yeah. Two door, but four seats, and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. dog can hop in there. A mid 90s Mercedes AMG C36 for $10,000. What do you say? Oh, that's interesting. Been a long time since we talked about those. Still interesting for that kind of money is an Alfa Romeo Julia, I mm-hmm. think, four door sedan. A Lexus IS of some sort. Does the Lexus IS sure. catalog
0: sure, yeah, of yeah. all
1: the years, all the generations, mm-hmm. something newish? It's sedan. It's You know, depending on the model and power you get, it's in seven or eight in every
0: category. And my wild card is a Cadillac ATS-V. Interesting. You and I went similar places, but not the same. That's good. I do like that. ATS-V,
1: the interface is not what modern interfaces are. (laughs) But still.
0: Step carefully, folks. Powerful,
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. front engine, rear wheel drive, sedan.
0: I think it's going to run for Mm -hmm. you. I bet you could find one for that kind of money. That's good. There's a lot of good stuff in there, Ryan. I'm going to I'm going to retread a few, but I also want to talk about some other ones. Again, I want to I want to applaud your E90 M3. That is the four-door V8 M3. That is a phenomenal choice for this. It is the hole down which you pour gas. It is. And I, but I do think the way you want to use it, you would love it. They're fun to drive. They have good handling. Yeah. They have a great engine. You have to rev the heck out of that engine, which is why it needs the oil tanker behind it. But it is very, very fun. It's so great. So that is a really good one. I like, and I actually like that better than the GAGT. GT. I like the GAGT. GT. I mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. I like the E90 M3 more. Now, if you had said Chevy SS, which unfortunately isn't in your budget, I would be a little more torn. But the, because the Chevy SS is the better G eight, yeah. But yeah. the problem is they're forty, they're more, they're out. you know, so that's yeah. out. So the E ninety is very good. I thought of a couple V eight wild cards for you. Said a V eight sedan would be interesting to you. I did think about what an old, what about an old Audi S four manual with the V eight. Now that's not a car that has great handling, but you're just looking for something with some personality, and that old, those old Audi S4 V8s were really interesting to drive and just listen to and interact with. What about that car? And if you could find the RS4 with that V8, I don't know for twenty-five grand. Twenty-five grand? Have those gone back up? The nice ones probably. The have. nice ones have, but I do wonder about an old RS. Now the S4 for sure, but the old RS4. That is a fantastically fun car. And I'm not a huge Audi fan, and I don't love the, you know, we built in understeer. I don't love that. But the RS four because the engine
1: is about four feet ahead of the exactly. front
0: wheels. Exactly. Look out. Okay, we have front axle, <laughs> VIN engine, VIN bumper. Anyway, but 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 the RS four is actually really fun. We have a piece on it from a few years back, yeah, and it's great. So yeah. that's a little bit of a wild card for me. Uh, you said the ATS V. I'm going to say the CTS V. Are you okay? Yeah. Why Bigger not? Car, you could find one, one back yeah. in there, depending on how much space you need. CTS V with a V8 is a great choice. My favorite for you though isn't a V8, and you mentioned it in passing, Paul. But I want to land right on it here, Ryan, and that is. The Alfa Julia, I think that's a contender still. Modern car. Mm-hmm. Fantastic looks. You're not going to see very many of them. You can find them for your budget. They have decent backseat space for when you do need it. But it is a car with fantastic rear-wheel drive handling. It has, from a stats perspective, an anemic engine. But I've never driven that base turbo and thought this is underpowered. Agreed. They actually Agreed. drive surprisingly well. They have surprising power. I think an Alpha Julia, since you're a person who you said you have a highest pain tolerance for maintenance, while I don't think that car will be unreliable. Let's step
1: right this way. No, no, no.
0: While I don't think that car will be unreliable. I think it's the most modern car on the list here. But most people's reasons to shy away from the Alpha is because they're concerned about its reliability. That's not an issue for Ryan. And maybe they'd be dumping them
1: for less money because they're concerned and you can just step right up and say hey i can take
0: care of that i think the turbo julia now it Mm. doesn't have an interesting v8 but the dynamics and the personality of that car shine through so much i don't think you'd
1: care i think of all the cars we've both listed that has the most personality oh agree all of them and definitely the best styling
0: the styling's phenomenal handling yes
1: I, yeah, Italian personality, start talking
0: with your hands soon. (laughs) (laughs) We do it all the time, even when you can't see us. For questions today, you posted all those great pictures that we didn't take, the phenomenal photos from our recent pilgrimage trip. Costas took those pictures. He works for RSR. And they were great, great pictures. And every time I look at it, I'm just like, we got to do that. We're going to go again Amazing. next year. Hopefully you yeah. can join us. There's more information on that coming. But Steve Urban on Facebook said, uh, so race, racing stripes are mandatory because he saw the pictures of all the cars. Steve, <laughs> when, when RSR buys those cars, they buy them typically in uh, typically a black or a white or a gray. They have a tendency to buy one of those. Occasionally you'll see a car with a color in their fleet, but generally not. And then they make sure that they brand them all. And their branding is always alternating stripes to whatever the car color is. That's their thing. So if you get an RSR car, it mm-hmm. is stripes. That's how it works. Ryan
1: R asks me if there's any Porsche product that didn't interest me and why. That's a good question. Let's see. Porsche designed had a hookah, like a few years back, for sale, and I just I don't smoke, and so I'd never really. Oh, to sit interesting. Around and, okay, all right. Yeah, no. They, they tried a whole bunch of different things. The phones they came up with, it's just like, get an iPhone, get an Android phone, get any phone but that phone. It's like, what are you doing? You're just exercising design muscles, and sure. yeah, somebody yeah. will buy it yeah, because yeah. of Porsche, but that guy is not me. <laughs> uh, the sound bar made from the 911 GT3 exhaust, the entire muffler can mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. two exhaust pipes that were the yeah. speakers. Yeah really cool i would love to set that on my mantle but not for 3500 dollars <laughs> <laughs> don't want to set that up there that's
0: good i, I
1: think what you're talking about is cars and i i definitely hear you the only transaxle car that ever interested me was really the the 928 mm-hmm. i really respect and i do like 944s a lot they're cool mm-hmm. but i was one of the big boy one of the 928 yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. the styling really spoke to me more so and even though I could claim the 914s never interested me, it wasn't until I drove the GRIOS 914 mm, that I mm-hmm. fell in love with kind of the original Cayman. Yeah, it is. Tiny mid-engine Porsche, which made me want to drive 550, the early 50s. Sorry, late 50s, 718. Sure. I like all that stuff. But yeah, you could just say from a styling standpoint, the 70s styling, like, eh, you know, not really doing it. But I still am a fan. I'm still intrigued by that. If you were asking me about a modern Porsche, Macans are good, but it doesn't light my fire like okay. humans do, like Nine yeah. Elevens do. Yeah, yeah. Even Panameras and the Sport Turismo. Mm. Macans are good, but it does feel like a niche that Porsche hadn't capitalized on and needed to have a product for that particular class mm. of car.
0: That's good. Ben Cohen's writing in about our Discord. Now, if you're a patron of our show, you wind up on the Discord. The Discord is this amazing forum with a life of its own. I can't believe every time I log on there, I I just can't believe the conversations that have gone on. I'm like, I'll never catch up. There's so many great conversations going on on there. And Ben's writing in and saying there's a debate going on on Discord about manuals versus autos. Now, Keep in mind, the people on our Discord are our patrons. They follow the show. They mm-hmm. are drivers. Many of them joined us on our recent meetup. So there's nobody on there that doesn't like to drive. That, that True. That's, this is the base bar here, folks. Very true. He said the debate is that manuals get a lot of love. And he said he's driven them almost exclusively for two decades. He switched to autos about 15 years ago, and there are people on Discord, you know who you are, you're listening, that contend that you cannot be a car enthusiast and prefer an automatic. He said he is an enthusiast, and he's come to prefer a good, uh, good automatic over a manual, he said with the possible exception of an N.A. Miata that he has. The auto fits his life and his wife better. But he said it also fits his spirited driving better, too. He said he's old enough to be comfortable with his choices. He's not feeling peer pressure, but he's asking what we think here. Ben, fighting words, okay? (laughs) For sure. There was recently a scathing comment on one of our pieces where a guy came at us. I didn't even bother to respond. guy came at us swinging elbows, referring to you and I as dinosaurs because we couldn't get on board with the fact that manuals shouldn't even exist anymore because they're so much slower than autos. Uh, I missed this comment. And he was, you're better off. And he was like, you know, the same kind of thing that Ben's saying. He's like, I know how to drive a manual. I liked manuals, but I got a dual clutch and there's no going back. And how can you guys essentially not have caught up And now here's Ben. Okay, exactly. Here's Ben saying he knows how to drive a manual. He loved it in an NA Miata. He understands the benefit of manual, but he now prefers an auto. And then we have folks on the Discord and many people that are enthusiasts and the internet, which I use as a group of people who are not always correct. The internet saying that you can't be a car enthusiast unless you like a manual. There's there's layers to this, Ben. I'm going to say something I've said before, and I stand by it. You can be a car enthusiast and not even own a car. Heck yeah. You can be a car enthusiast and own a Prius. Heck yeah. It it is not defined by what you currently drive. And what I want you to do is get out and drive a car and enjoy it. And if that for you means auto, great, awesome, love it. I just had a conversation with my dad where he looked at me and he said, I kind of can't believe we still have the Corvette. And I said, great. And he said, I actually thought we'd have it like a year and get rid of it. But he said, you know what? Your mom and I love it. And we keep liking it more.
1: I'm so glad to hear that.
0: They bought an auto base C6 Corvette. And my mom likes driving, I think, more than my dad does. Now, to my dad's credit, he bought an auto on purpose so she would not be scared of driving it. And at the time at the time, I wanted him in a manual, and I was like, Mom, I'll teach you and all this kind of stuff. But my dad. I applaud him here. He stood his ground and he was like, you know what? I just don't want your mom to be intimidated. That was his word. He was like, I know she could learn, but I don't want her to be intimidated. And what's hysterical is anywhere they go in that car, she drives one of the directions every single time. That is great. He'll drive out, she'll drive back or whatever. And that is because she's not the least bit scared of it. And the more she drives it, the more she loves it. So Ben, if automatic cars get you to like them more, drive them more, buy them more, and you're, the, the woman in your life likes it more. You're a car enthusiast. I don't care. The last point I want to say here is this. Back to where I started with the dinosaur comment. Mm. Okay? Driving a manual is like, at this point, it's like painting a landscape. Because I'll tell you right now, I could walk up behind you painting a landscape you could be a fantastic landscape painter with my iPhone, and I could take a photo over your shoulder with my phone that beats whatever your painting will be. Hmm. But there are people that just enjoy the experience of sitting there painting that landscape. And it might not even be good when they're done, but they enjoy the, the being in the moment of painting the landscape, and that's driving a manual at this point. Is it the fastest? No. Is it the best? No. Is it the most economical? No. All the reasons that the manual used to be the king have all been blown away by great eight-speed automatics and dual clutches. I get it. But there is something involving and organic and engaging about shifting that car. And if you like it, there's no reason to get anything else. There's no reason to, to worry about, are you faster? Probably. I totally get why a great automatic is wonderful. But those of us that like the manual, we're just engaging differently. And we know it's not as fast and we don't care. I had no idea we were going to get into a discussion of plein air painting and
1: really related to cars. That was fantastic. I'm trying. Well I'm done. Trying. That was excellent. I mean, with electrics, nobody's even thinking about manuals anymore and the engagement that nobody's it provides. Nobody's even
0: thinking about a transmission because yeah. they just hit D. <laughs> Greed. There's a question
1: here from Clayton T who asks, what's the least amount of torque rating that he will feel and be pushed back into his seat? He's never had anything but 10 plus year old base model cars. Well, Clayton, our GR86 has 184 pound feet of torque. Mm -hmm. When you get it above 45, start to 5,000 RPM, you get into it, it's actually not bad. Mm Mm-hmm. That's 184 pound feet of torque in a mm-hmm. 20, just over 2,800 pound car. Yep. So I will say 200, 250, you're starting to feel that torque. Yeah. It doesn't have yeah. to be a 1,000 or 600 or it's just the world just comes at you and your life flashes and <laughs> your phone ends up in the back seat.
0: Yes. <laughs> imprinted on the back seat. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I think lower amounts than you might think will still impress you. And yes, it's about torque, but we cannot relate torque to fun. Mm-hmm. It's great, but I st- we both maintain it's that handling. It's that first turn in, mm. you keep your speed, you, you're extracting something out of that car. That's where the
0: magic is. T. Noe on Instagram has another fighting words question. Mm. He said he was talking to a guy at Cars and Coffee that has a 987. That's a first-generation Cayman, and this guy's wife has a 370Z. And this owner said, having owned both, that he recommended that T. Noe get the Z over the Cayman because the Z was more fun to drive. He is shocked to have heard this. He's always liked them both, but he never he's never driven either one. Do we think that this guy's correct and the Z is more fun than the Cayman? Now, I have one thing about it. Screech! Yeah, Paul is now looking at me with <laughs> wide eyes. Screech! One of the questions that I have, T. Noe, that you don't describe here is, is it does he have a 987 Cayman? Or 987 Cayman S. That's one question I have. Fair. And I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But brief side note. We just drove the Z. We put it with our 86 and we talked about it in comparison to the 370. And that piece was a, was a uh, Motor Trend piece. It's now on Amazon Prime and it's also on YouTube. And some people have said, you guys are expecting the car to be the wrong kind of car. They've. It's never been anything but a GT car. But I want to say this. When the 370Z came out, Nissan was benchmarking the Cayman very publicly, and they were ecstatic when any auto journalist put it against the Cayman because that was their target for the 370Z. So Nissan knows what they want the car to be, and it's not just a big GT car. They're not putting against big GTs. They're putting against the Cayman because that's the competitor in the market. Anyway, Mm -hmm. the point I'm making here is I could see how a Cayman would disappoint you versus the 370Z because the 370Z has got more power. The Cayman, as you're starting to equal them out, But I think what's going on here is the speeds at which the two cars are being driven. Because if you're going to take a road, a back road in a 370Z at a little faster than cruising pace, just a little bit faster than most traffic, the Cayman's not even trying hard yet. It's not even giving you any information yet. It's so capable that at that kind of effort, let's call it six, seven tenths, the Cayman's Perfectly fine there's no whoa we're really moving we're where we're really going now the cayman hasn't gotten there yet, and the Z is louder with a lot more a uh, lot more information in the steering at that place it has a much more visceral feel, but let's crank that up to eight nine tenths and I will take the Cayman every time at that level I think the Z is announcing itself and its sporting intentions be- partially because it's just louder and because of the way the engine delivers power. It delivers power lower than the Cayman engine does. I think the Z is doing that earlier than the Cayman, but when driven hard, the Cayman is superior to drive. That's
1: great, and I will add to that by asking what does fun to drive mean? Well, then you are asking what go. is fun to drive? Excellent what question. is fun to you? Yes. Is it straight-line speed? Because the Cayman is boring. The Z will rocket away from the Cayman, and it will be less fun than the Z. I get it. It's actually kind of slow off the line. It's not designed mm-hmm.
0: to be a you wind jump it off out. the line. car.
1: Yeah. Every Porsche engine wind it out and I go, oh, oh, there it is. <laughs> I just crossed 6,000 RPM and now we're getting some, somewhere. But what is fun? Is it just straight line? I took off in a straight line? Sure. I get it. Being pinned back in your seat, that is fun. And the Cayman loses. Early on when I had my 987, mm-hmm. it was parked in the driveway and, And we had the first Nissan GTR.
0: Yeah, I remember this.
1: And my neighbor noticed, how could he not? Uh. And he looked at the Z or the GTR and he looked at my cane and he's like, Boy, I bet that Porsche is so much faster than the Nissan, huh? I was like, No, this (laughs) Nissan will crush. Before lunch, it will crush it under its boot. Yes. And be done with it. The Uh Cayman loses in every number metric.
0: Yeah, it does. It loses. And in
1: straight line. I mean, go take them both to track, the GTR would win. But in fun-to-drive metric, that Mm. intangible, Mm -hmm. I can't quite define, when you chuck it into the corner for the first time at six, seven-tenths, and you roll into throttle, bye-bye, Z-car. Yeah. I'm suddenly having way more fun in the Cayman. That's where it shines. They're two different chassis. They're kind of... They're, they're competitors to what you're saying, but yeah, the limits yeah. on that Cayman are so much higher. They're they're out there, but that's what I love about it. It chases you. It's beguiling. Come mm-hmm. follow me. You know, come chase me kind of thing. It just depends on what's fun to you. We really appreciate all your questions. We enjoy hearing from you. Yeah. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com is where to write your topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and your car debates. Yeah, Please write to us. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.